What's up, Fathom fam? We're so glad you're here with us as we launch into spring season at Fathom Church. Around here, springtime means we're getting ready for our annual neighborhood party, egg hunt, and resurrection nocturne, and two Sunday services on Easter morning. Hop on over to fathom.church forward slash look up for more details on all of these awesome upcoming events. Remember to check us out on the Church Center app or find us on YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook. And while you're there, make sure to also request to join our Fathom Family Facebook group. We hope to see you there, but for now, we're going to jump right into the message. Uh, what is up, Fathom Fam? How's everybody doing today? Well, on, y'all doing good? Awesome. I want to welcome all of our Fathom family online. I want to let you know we are doing our best to continue to make a little more room here uh, during this season of the year. I know as uh, some folks are getting vaccinated, uh, the cases are going uh, down here locally, uh, thankfully, and, and we continue to appreciate everyone over the past uh, year as we've been on it. Do you guys realize that this is coming up on a, a year since the pandemic uh, began? We just uh, want to thank you all just for being flexible over the past year, honestly, just just thank you all. Those of you that have been uh, online and still are online, let you know today. We're you know again, we we put more rows out, trying to make a little more room, as well as as we move into this Easter season, going to make an extra service on Easter, so that we've all got a little more space to spread out, and we feel comfortable to invite folks. That's important too, uh, to invite folks out. So I'm excited to uh, have you here. If you're a guest at Fathom Church, uh, we just want to stop for a second and tell you we love you. We are thinking of you if you're online or in person. Just uh, we want to we want to connect with you. Want to start a relationship for us. We try to make that so simple. It's just as easy as shooting us a text. Just text uh, the word fathom f a t h o m to uh, the the number um, the ninety seven thousand nine seven zero zero zero. Is that right? Ninety seven thousand. Yeah, three zeros. Yeah, ninety seven thousand. It's that easy. Send a text. To fathom to 97,000, we'll get a chance to, to connect with you and uh, help you take your next steps in the Lord. Uh, man, this past weekend, or, or so far this weekend, we've been uh, having a work day. We've got lots of progress taking place at our next gym building. I just want to shout out all the volunteers and folks who have been making that happen. Literally just dozens of folks over the past uh, week in particular, but weeks, uh, you all have showed up. Uh, just giving of yourself, giving of your time, uh, some of you giving uh, money to make this uh, possible, and, and we just can't say thank you enough. It's coming along. I want to give you a quick update on this. I'm going to do this a little more thoroughly at the end of service, uh, but I want to let you know one thing, because for the, some of you, you're watching this on replay. You're not watching it live, and our giving and announcement stuff is at the end, and we cut that off for, uh, for replay, so you can just jump right into the, the sermon. We know that's what you like to do on replay, um, but we wanted to let you know of a huge testimony, uh, and it's an opportunity for us to be able to close us out. For those of you, uh, we haven't talked a ton about the financial side of this. We've tried to just be pretty chill on that and just uh, trust the Lord to provide that because I'm just not one of these stump guys who's like, hey, we need your money. Like, I just don't do that. Um, I'll ask you to pray about it because that's between you and the Lord of what he leads you to. Uh, But a few, it's been probably a month ago, last time I updated you and said, hey, we were around a $20,000 mark, I think a little more than that. At that time, we're, we're right around that right now, um, and we needed to close this uh, this deal. We we had a generous donor that stepped forward and said, "Hey, I'll match everything up to ten thousand dollars to get you to the finish line." So for the next month, we're calling it March Match. 
Um, anything that comes in designated for the building fund is double the money, right? It's double the money. Uh, they're going to help us close the deal. Uh, but we got to do our part in order to get us there. And so let's all just do what we can do. Like pray about it and, and see what God would lead you to do. You guys have been so generous. Some of you have been giving faithfully for like two years to see phase one and phase two happen. And man, I just honor you all, love you all. And so I'm not really pitching it to say, hey, hey, give. I'm just saying, hey, uh, do what you can. Pray about it and see what God would lead you to do. And God's going to make it happen, right? He'll do it again. So we're, we're praising before that breakthrough, but there's already been half that done. So come on, let's just give God praise for how he's providing uh, for this building. So we're, we're super excited about that. Um, so yeah, we were here working um, yesterday. Uh, Jesus said it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. We were doing a lot of good on the Sabbath yesterday. And um, usually though, like uh, on a Sabbath Saturday for me, it's when I, I just really shut down and just tune everything out. Sundown on Friday, it's like, turn the phone off, don't call me, don't try to reach me. I'm, I'm in deep trying to rest. And kind of my, your, usually Saturday flow is uh, the Fathom Run Club. My boys, we're in Fathom Run Club. There's a couple of them right there. Absolutely. We'll meet up at 7 a.m. to run, and, and that's part of our flow. We, we, sometimes we'll meet at my house, and we'll run to the river and back at our our 5K in and get back to the house. And, and it's an awesome Saturday when Taryn's got me some of that gluteny goodness um, waiting for me, some muffins or some bakery treats to be able to enjoy when I get back. And then I find myself on that couch and I don't want to get off unless I absolutely have to. And one of the things I do, and this is, a, as I watch this one show, my kids know this, I watch this one show, it's a total dad show, or those of you that like do-it-yourself stuff, anybody like a DIYer, yeah, so yeah, some DIYer, right, I'm that way. And so it's called This Old House. Anybody know what This Old House is? Like I said, it's a total dad show. I, I saw some dads raise your hand like, yeah, that's my show, too. I love that show, it's on PBS, it's on DIY. Um, you know, it'll teach you how to do all kinds of things, like get that squeaky board out of the floorboard. You know, they'll teach you how to fix that. It'll teach you how to frame that window so you don't have to call somebody else in to do it. It'll teach you how to, you know, uh, you know, rent, uh, rent uh, one of those stump grinders for that, 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 that pesky stump that's in your, in your uh, yard. It'll teach you how to do that, all kinds of little things like that. But on the show, they play this really stupid game. There's all these contractors around, and they play this stupid game called What Is It? And so I thought it would be fun for us to play this stupid game. And here's how they play the game is that, like three of the guys, they come up with the, they, they show everybody a tool and they say, what is this? What's the purpose of this? And the, the purpose for everybody in that game is not to come up with actually what is this used for? It's to come up with what's the most ridiculous thing that this could be used for, right? So we're going to play this. I'm going to throw a tool up and I want you to guess and you, you win the game. There's no prize awarded, but you win the game by picking the most ridiculous use of what this could be. So go ahead and throw one of them up there. What do you think this could be used for? What is it? Dingle it's a dingle hopper, somebody said. Whatever that is. Anybody else with a ridiculous guess on what this is? A comb, a cheese cutter. Okay, anybody who's a baker know what this is? Anybody? This is actually a cake cutter. Like this is a, a thing to cut delicate cakes like angel food cake, right? So it's a stupid game. All right, you guys are going to get the hang of this. The more ridiculous thing you come up with, the better because it'll make people laugh and make this segment a lot better. So what else? Is, what is this? Any, what, what, what's ridiculous use? What is this used for? It's a back scratcher. Yeah. Anybody else? A hoverboard. A what? An icing spreader. Yeah. It's got a big cake there. Right? 
Home Defender 2000. That's right. Put that by your bedside. And I'm, I'm glad nobody said that's what I beat my children with. I'm glad nobody said that. Reading, reading that scripture out of context in light of Jesus. Um, no, this is actually called a Darby. That's a Darby. That's for people who work in concrete use that smooth concrete out. So somebody caked, you know, cake smoother outer. You were close. All right, we got one more. You know what this is? What's this thing? What, what's a ridiculous use for this thing? Somebody actually knows what it is. <laughs> yeah, somebody else knows what it is. Ridiculous use, right? Potato shooter, right? Could that be something like that? Kids, could this be used for Play-Doh, right? <laughs> Decorative caulking. Oh, I love that one. <laughs> Decorative caulking. No, this is like one of those like cookie cutter type things, right? It, it puts it out in shapes and puts little imprints on it, right? Ridiculous uses. What is it? You know, if we had all kinds of tools or things in our life that we really wanted to know, what's the purpose of this thing? What, what, what's this for? We would, we would ask, if we really wanted to know, we wouldn't ask our friend. We, we might not even ask our spouse. We, we would just ask the Creator. Who, who created this thing? They would know the design and the purpose of this. Well, I, I want to start us a series today simply titled, on purpose. Because I think so many of us, we're looking for purpose. We're, we're looking for something meaningful in our life. I think a lot of us over the past year, we've been doing some soul searching. We've been exploring some things. And now we're ready to put our hands to something. We want to know what's our purpose in this world. And so I want to talk about uh, what it means to live on purpose and in the purpose that God has designed for us. So we're going to Look to the Creator today as He teaches us our purpose. And so, uh, as we did with the the, um, the goat series, and I love just saying that how just ridiculous it sounds. Back in our goat series, right? Next, we're going to go to our donkey series or whatever. Um, uh, during our, our our goat series, we we kind of use First Corinthians thirteen as kind of a foundation or a backdrop for the entire series. I asked you to to read that throughout the series, um, and we did that. Well, with this series, um, we're really going to, we're not going to do one chapter. I really want to kind of give you one verse that is going to be the foundation for this whole series. And it's uh, found in 1 Peter chapter 2, um, verse 9. And, and with the last series, I said, hey, read this once a week. Read this chapter once a week. I'm going to ask you to go a little bit of a step further with the verse, um, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 in particular. I want you to memorize this one verse. Right, so we're all just going to dive into some scripture memory. I don't care what translation you memorize it in. Just, just memorize it in one that kind of makes sense for you. Try to memorize this one scripture. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Since we're going to spend a little time on this, I, I want to give you a little context what's going on here. So some of you who were with us a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Peter. Remember when Jesus was washing the disciples' feet? Anybody here for that or catch it? He was washing the disciples' feet, and Peter's like, no, 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 Lord, you, you shall never wash my feet. Remember that? Peter's the one, he had had a lot of high moments. He, had, he was the one who, who also walked on water for a minute <laughs> before he started sinking, right? Um, he had high moments. He had really low moments, too, where he doubted Jesus and denied Jesus three times. He, he's had highs and he's had lows. And it's Peter that writes this, and he's writing it to some churches who are spread all over the place, known as the diaspora. Churches are just kind of spread all over the place. Gentiles and Jews alike, he's, he's writing to them. Probably, we guess it's probably like 62 to 63 AD, for those of you that like to know chronologically where it's at. 
I think that's a little bit significant as he's writing, most likely from Rome. He refers to Babylon throughout the scripture. And so he's in Rome, 62, 63 AD, because the, the churches are all spread out at this point. And, and he says, and this is kind of right before this great fire that happens in Rome. Anybody ever heard about the great fire, July 64 AD? That kind of gives Nero an opportunity to begin to persecute the church. And then persecution kind of follows thereafter in the decades following. Um, and so this kind of is in a place where the church is spread out. Catch, catch me here on the context. Church is spread out, but it's right before some persecution happens. I think for anybody who's paying attention globally and in the church, I, I think we kind of see ourselves in this same place. Church is kind of spread out. Some are home, some are online. We're in different places. And I think a lot of people sense that, you know, we're probably on the edge of some persecution here around the world. There's been a lot of other great persecution that's been taking place for a long time while we've been sitting comfortably. Um, but I, I just kind of want to set that context as we kind of let this sink in and why this is such a big deal that we get this purpose. So let's read. Let's read beginning with verse 4. Uh, again, First Peter chapter 2, beginning with verse 4. It says, In coming to Him, we, we come to Him, Jesus, as, a li- as to a living stone which has been rejected by people, been rejected by man, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. You also, are, uh, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. For, for a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in Scripture. He's quoting Isaiah 28 here. He says, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious. Let me just real quick, for those of you who read the Scripture and you hear the word Zion and, and you're like, I have no idea what that is. Just real quick, uh, Zion used to be really basically just meant a fortress. It was very basically a fortress. When King David came along, he began to make it the city, Jerusalem, the city of David. This, this is, became a general term for fortress. Then it became a specific fortress in Israel. And then David made it really mean to talk about, about the city of Jerusalem. So the city of David was Zion. It was the place. And then it began to be known as Israel itself was Zion. Judah was Zion, that area, that region. And so Zion kind of had like an unfolding definition. Uh, And today, even now, we see it as uh, the place where God is. It's the place where he dwells. It's where his heart is. So, uh, but specifically here, I'm laying a stone uh, in Zion, a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him, he's talking about, about Jesus. He's laying him down. He's a cornerstone in him, uh, will not be put to shame. Um, so the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, not to build on, but it's a stumbling block. It's a rock of offense. The gospel is offensive. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. And here's the verse I want us to memorize um, uh, this, this month. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. We're just going to process that for the next four weeks. I'm going to be kind of taking out one phrase at a time. This week, I actually want to give you a few phrases. So if you'll go to that next slide, we're going to look at chosen people, a people for his own possession, 
and who, who had called you out of darkness. As we get into talking about purpose, I don't think we can properly understand our purpose in Christ until we properly understand our identity in Christ. Because see, our, our first, when we talk about purpose, most people are like, hey, what am I supposed to do? But our first purposes in God, in, in, in God's paradigm, is not what we do, it is, it is to be and to belong to Him and to His body. That's our first purpose, is, is to be drawn into Him. And so I want to talk about this first element of this, is to be chosen. It's to be chosen. This is a part of our identity. And if we're going to know our purpose, we may find some good things to do, some things that fulfill us for a moment, but they do not eternally fulfill us. So they will eventually leave us dry and empty. Our first purpose in Christ is to delight in our calling as sons and daughters. I know the word chosen doesn't seem all that controversial to you, but in the body of Christ, it can be quite controversial. Because we begin to get into some things that uh, if you have a certain perspective of it, it'll actually lead you to, to think something that's not the gospel at all, that's actually a cult, that's, that's not the truth of the gospel. Or it'll take you down a couple of various different theological lanes in which we can affirm that we're brothers and sisters, but we see this matter as important as it is because it's speaking of our salvation. It's a, it's, a, it's a big and weighty issue. And so when we talk about this, we're talking about salvation, calling, that we've been chosen by God. Um, so I want to read you a few verses. I want to read you three verses and then help you work through a, a few mindsets, three mindsets that you may be living with, but we've got to get to the understanding that we are to delight ourselves in our calling as beloved sons and daughters. If we're going to know anything about our purpose, we must know this. The first one is in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. It says, Even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. Verse 5 says this, In love He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. So here's what I want you to get here. He chose us for the foundation of the world. He chose us. And this is where things begin to split off and we can go down a couple of different rabbit holes of thinking. So stick with me for a minute here. First, we can go down, uh, okay, if God chooses us, he, he calls us to, to be his own possession as we've read, to, to adopt us, does that mean he adopts everybody? Is everybody God's children? Is everybody God's child? Or is this just like uh, Jehovah's Witness say, actually, there's just 144,000 that'll be chosen. That's what they believe. And, 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 and Jehovah's Witness really say that they're a Christian sect, but I just have to tell you they're, they're not a Christian sect. It's a, it's a cult, in fact. It's a, it's a distortion of the gospel. They undermine the gospel at every turn of the thing, um, at, at every turn of their theology. So just to, to, to be clear, on that where I stand and where our church stands on that. But we've been adopted in the sunshine, and they believe that. It's just 144,000 between the, the resurrection of Jesus and when he returns, um, or now, to the present day, and everybody else is just out of luck. That's, that's their belief. There's, there's another group that this group is actually Christian, and they, they say, um, yeah, well, God just chooses. And, and you, know, well, you know, whoever he chooses, he chooses, and it's kind of tough luck. 
you know, for, for everybody else. It's kind of what they say. Um, but I, I want to bring a set, uh, another passage. There's some other people that say everybody's just saved. Like everybody's saved. It's really a universalist idea that everybody's just going to be saved. All paths lead to God. It's, it's the, the prevalent thinking of our generation. It's pluralism. And it's frankly one of the most corrupt philosophical ideas. It, it's just... It's just bad philosophy. Even before we get to theology, it's just bad philosophy. Two things that I, I, we can't all be right if, if some of us say there's only one way. It's the law of non-contradiction in philosophy. Can't, two things that are both true cannot contradict themselves. So there's your philosophy 101 for today. Don't buy into pluralism. Pick something else. If you're not going to follow Jesus and buy into the word of God, then pick something else because it's a crappy philosophy. Let's look at 2 Peter chapter. Three, sorry if that, uh, that offends you, but um, like I said, the, the gospel is offensive. Um, I want to look at this passage, though, because this will offer us a, another understanding for a lane of theology here. Uh, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but he's patient towards us. Remember last week we talked about patience. Here it is again. He's patient toward us. Right before this, it said like a, a day for us is like a thousand years to God and the other way around. Like we don't understand his timing. <laughs> Anybody said amen? I don't understand his timing. He's patient towards us though. Anybody that thinks that God's given up on them, just hear this. He's patient towards us. Anybody who's begging for Jesus just to come back today, just know this. He's patient with us. He loves us. And he wishes that none that wishing that any should perish, that, that not any of you should perish, that, that none of you would be condemned to die in hell. That, that's that's his, his wish. But that all of you should reach repentance. Well, you say, well, why doesn't he do it? He's sovereign. He could just save everybody. But he's, he's created a plan for the world. And it's, it's through repentance. It's through salvation in Jesus Christ. He gave man free will. It's a gift. It's a gift. At times it feels like a curse because I'm like, God, you know better than me. <laughs> you know better than me. Just make me do what you want. But he's, he's called, called us into this relationship to know him, to explore him, and, and, and to explore him in the beauty and the mystery that, that is this relationship we have with him. But I want you to see this. That it's his wish that none should perish. So what does this mean? God, God chose us. Yes, yes, yes. I, I've, uh, you, you saw the word adoption show up in, in the previous text. And let's talk about the doctrine of adoption for just a second, and I'm going to keep moving here. It's that God has adopted us as sons and daughters, that all of us were, were strange, we're foreigners. We're going to look at another text in a few moments. We're foreigners, strangers to God, in rebellion towards God in our sin, our sinfulness, to do our own thing, to do our own way. But he's called us into uh, this life with him, and it's, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. But he adopts us, he chooses us, we, we've got multiple friends who have gone through the process of adoption. Some of you are going through that right now. And it's just a brutally hard process. I'll speak on your behalf in this moment. It's brutally hard. It's harder than what you can ever imagine. Despite all the things that have led up to the decision to, um, to adopt, but then there's the financial weight of that. There's um, the emotional weight of that, the physical wear and tear of the paperwork and interviews and preparation that you have to go through. But one of the most difficult things that I've had multiple friends tell me that's hard is they get this sheet that's just a, a big sheet that basically is like a questionnaire that says, hey, are you okay if the child has special needs? 
hey, are you okay if they're this gender? Are you okay if they're this age? Are you okay if they're this race? And I'm like, oh man, that, that's so difficult to even, can you just imagine? That's just difficult to process. And I know many of you are like, oh, oh, maybe you're in that place and you're like, hey, we'll, we'll receive whatever child God gives us. But many, it's, it's very difficult knowing that maybe they don't have the means to, or, or the energy to be able to care for someone with special needs or a different, a baby. And it, people have different, they've said that's a very difficult form to fill out. And the way the process goes that they've told me is, is that basically uh, the, the, uh, a parent, so, uh, a parent planning to uh, give their away their uh, their child in, in adoption, uh, will get a list of names that they can choose from, you know, and it's a little bit of a bio about them, a picture and a bio, and that parent will flip through and they'll choose a couple of names that they'd like to explore a little more on, and so finally they're going to make a decision, and that decision will then be returned to the, the those that are uh, wishing to adopt, and in that moment. The, per, the parent, the person who's giving their child away, they have, they have chosen this family. But now this family has an opportunity to choose the child. This is how it works in salvation, in my opinion, is that he has chosen all. Like, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever he, he's patient. He's wishing that none should perish, but all would turn to repentance. But the reality of the truth of salvation is not all will receive him. Many will reject him and deny him. And that's not us failing to share the gospel. That's them rejecting their need for a savior. First John, or excuse me, John 1 verse 12 says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become Children of God. We're children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. He gave us that right. And so he has chosen us. It's just a matter of whether we're going to choose him. And when we do so by putting faith in Jesus Christ, we are among the chosen. And so it's open for everybody, but we have to respond in faith. We have to respond and say, I need a savior. We have to respond in, in repentance and say, God, I need you to save me. I've never done that. But I think <clears throat> some of you who are like, okay, hopefully that helps. Some of you I probably made mad because you're in a different theological lane, and, and we can talk about that later. But, um, but I, I want to clearly state that for those of you who are kind of unsure about what it means to be chosen, what it means to be adopted uh, as his own uh, children. But then I think for some of us in the room who say, hey, yeah, I got that. I got that, Pastor. Cool. I'm among the chosen. I believe in Jesus. Some of you are saying, hey, I've never chosen him back. I know, I know he chooses me, and I love that. That makes me feel good that he chose me, but I don't think I've ever made the decision to receive him as my Lord and Savior. And I just want to tell you, if that's you today, you can make that decision. Your life can change forever. Your eternity can change in an instant. But I want to deal with a couple of things here. That Really, this mindset that has to do with our sonship and our daughter, like what it means to be a daughter of God. And I think within the body of Christ, some of us will say, hey, yeah, yeah, I've got that. I know I'm chosen. I know I belong to Christ. I'm delighting myself in Him. But then I think many of us will take one of these three mindsets when we're in the body of Christ. And it's that of a servant, of a sibling, or of a son. And I just want you to reflect for a moment on what kind of mindset you have towards God. And most of the time, our attitude towards the church reflects our attitude towards God too. He's that Christ is the head and the church is the body. And so there's just a relationship there that's interconnected. 
And the reason we planted Fathom Church is because we really want to help you understand what that means. That they're, they're, they're just, they're connected, right? It goes through Jesus, but it's lived out and practiced in the body of Christ. And we learn it more and more through the body of Christ. So, hey, we're called to be a servant. We're called to servant leadership, as we talked about a few weeks ago. But many of us in the body of Christ, I'm talking about Christian, those chosen faith in Jesus, love Jesus, yet we still find ourselves with a servant's mindset. We're like, hey, we feel like it's work when we're here, when we're doing something. Hey, there's work in the kingdom of God. I'm not opposed to that. But hey, we just, we've got a mindset that, hey, uh, yeah, yeah, they got me working over in the kids today. They got me working in production today. They got me working holding the door. And it's, we've just got a work mindset. And we don't realize this begins to constrain our spirit because our, our, our first identity is supposed to be that of a son or a daughter chosen by God and to delight ourselves in him. But we find ourselves as servants and a mindset of a servant. Or some of us, we find ourselves in that of a mindset of a sibling a mindset of a sibling that, that feels obligated. You know, they had a work day. I should probably be there. You know, it's just an, it's an obligation. And some of you are actually probably feeling bad about that this weekend. And I want you to tell you, tell you, we never feel like that. My wife and I, our leadership team, never feel like that. We are never pushing that obligation. We are uh, pushing opportunities. But that obligation, that, that's something that will actually keep us from our core identity and our understanding the depth of our purpose. It, because we feel obligated to, I, I need to go help a brother out. Pastor Kyle needs some help. Jackie needs some help this weekend. I should, I should probably go. I, I feel obligated to go. See, we, we don't even realize we get into the servant mindset or sibling mindset. And yes, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And yes, we're called to serve. But that is not our first identity. The identity of the mindset we should be living in is that of a son or daughter. As one of an heir that says, I, I, I get to serve in the house of God. I get to be a part of raising up the next generation, I get to. It doesn't say I have to. It doesn't say I, I, I feel like obligated to. No, no, I, I get to. I get to serve in the house of God. I get to do this among God's people. See, we're, we're a chosen people, but many of us, we, we don't have that chosen mindset like we're heirs of the king, like we're sons and daughters of God Almighty. We've got to understand that. If we're going to understand our purpose, we've got to understand our identity. The second portion to this, and, and I'll try to make this faster. I didn't even bring my phone up here because I had no intention to keep my time today. So <laughs> if you're checking your watch, um, I'm not. So, <clears throat> so we got to deal with this people part. We're, we're one phrase in, we're like one word in. <laughs> so, but you're a chosen people. When to talk about chosen because we got to get our identity before we get our purpose. But the second purpose in Christ is not just to delight ourselves in him to delight ourselves as chosen sons and daughters. You guys tracking with me what I'm doing here with this text? I'm taking this one word, helping us understand this purpose. Now that's one phrase, but it's to be a, we're a chosen people. It's not just we that have been chosen. It's not just we that have been called. We've been called into the family of God, to belong into the family of God. And before we can get into our purpose, we've got to get our identity because all of our purpose is going to flow out of our identity. You can't operate in royal priesthood or a purity of heart when it comes to holy nation or declaring the excellencies of his name. You can't do any of that if we don't get the identity stuff right, that you were chosen people. We belong in the family of God. I want to read you a couple of texts here. We won't read as many as the last time. Um, i got to find where I was on my notes so I can keep up with you here. Um, yep, not there. Not there. Keep going. Keep going. 
cover a lot of ground. Um, yeah, so in this previous passage, he's telling us, actually, can you go way back to 1 Peter chapter 2? We're going to go back to like verse 4 and 5 for a second. In uh, coming to him as a living stone, which has been rejected by people, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. Keep going. Yeah, but you as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood. This idea of a spiritual house is he's really building. I mean, both with the chosen part and a people part, he's building on the ideas that, he, that were laid in the Torah. With Abraham, when God chose him and he called him out from the land that he was to lead him into and make him into a great he didn't say, I'm just going to be with you. No, no, no. You're going to have descendants, and your descendants and you, upon your descendants, as many as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, you're going to be a people. Go, go, go to Deuteronomy chapter 7 down there uh, real quick. Deuteronomy chapter 7, uh, verse 6 says this, But you're a whole, you're people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people. See, Israel, and now, now the church, that what we look in, in 1 Peter, is the new Israel. It's the new Israel. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasure possession. It's kind of the same idea that Peter's talking about to the church scattered around. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth, he's chosen Israel. But then that goes from just being Israel to being expanded to all the nations. Are you tracking with me today that it becomes a people and we're woven into this great fabric of the family of faith that started with Israel and now is the body of Christ all around the world, Jews and Gentiles, who put their faith in Jesus Christ. Look, look at this passage here. Um, verse uh, 19, I believe it's of uh, Ephesians here, chapter 2. Uh, so then you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you're fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, right? God's family built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus being the cornerstone. In him who the whole structure being joined together, right? Belonging, connectivity grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. You know, we don't go to church because we are the church. Y'all know that. But th this is here, here's scriptural support for that phrase we say all the time. We're the dwelling place of God's Spirit. That's why when we say, hey, let's invite God's presence here, what we're saying is, hey, if, if you'll make a dwelling place here, if you'll open up your heart to what God wants to do in this moment, and if we'll all do that, man, we, can ex we experience God in supernatural ways. Hey, yes, we can experience that on, on our own. He can show up to us, but something uh, just mysterious and beyond our, our natural understanding happens when we just invite him to fill this place. Where we are has nothing to do with the place, the physical building, because we are that body built together. And so I want to talk to you about belonging for just a minute, and I'm going to wrap up uh, today. Because I think this is really where we need to lean in and understand what it means to belong in the body of Christ. This is the second key of this people thing. Because many of us, our entire life, we've never felt like we belonged in the church. Maybe today you've, you're new in this whole Christianity, Christianity thing, and you don't feel like you belong in the body of Christ. You don't feel like you fit in here for whatever reason or lie that you've received about that. And I want to make sure you understand what it means to belong in the family of God because you're a chosen people, and I don't want anybody to ever feel like they don't belong. Frankly, it starts with being chosen, right? When, we're, when we make that faith, when we make that confession, Jesus Christ, it starts there and then it 
extends to this idea of family of God, both internally and externally. So I think the internal is probably the best way to understand this. It's an authentic awareness. We begin to be aware that when you come in the doors, you're not a stranger. You're, You're not an alien you're, you're you're not just on your own no no you you have an authentic awareness in yourself that this is my family around the globe christians around the globe you you, you realize that you've got this giant family there is no reason and there are, when i say this i know that we're going to go through times in which we feel lonely because of the circumstances of our life we're, we're going to have those times but there's really no reason that we as a body of christ should ever feel lonely. We've got brothers and sisters all over the world, right? We should always feel like a sense of belonging and authentic awareness. When we walk in the door, I'm filled with, um, I'm surrounded by people who love me and who love God, and we're a part of this, this family of God together. So there's this internal awareness. And the second thing, and we miss that a lot, I begin to see people, I begin to see people in the body of Christ differently. And I think that's what I mean when I say authentic awareness. Like, you don't look at me the same anymore, Mark. You, you, you don't look at me the same anymore, Chelsea. Like, we don't look at one another the same. Like, I, I have this authentic awareness that I belong here and you belong here, not because of anything we've done, not because of how much money we've given to the church, not because of what serve teams we're on or how well our knowledge of the Bible is or, or, or how well I know the pastor. No, no, no. It's an authentic awareness that I belong because God said I belong. That he chose me from the foundation of the world. And I'm his son, I'm his daughter, and literally no one can take that away. I can't revoke your membership on that, and God doesn't want to, right? He's called you into his goodness. He's not pushing you away from his goodness of his kingdom. The second part of that belonging is an external belong- Actually, uh, you, you, you're waiting on my quote. You're so good. Um, yeah, let me go ahead and just give this. It's a deep awareness, internal belonging, a deep awareness in the soul of a believer that connects them to Christians all over the world. It's a deep awareness. I belong. I know I belong. Can everybody just smile at me and be like, I'm glad I belong somewhere because <laughs> I don't always fit in everywhere else, anybody else. I don't feel like I fit in everywhere else, but I belong in the body of Christ. The second kind of uh, belonging that's important for us to understand is an external belonging. That external belonging, uh, like I, I said uh, just a, a moment ago, is, is really it's an active participation. I'm not just authentically aware of it on the inside. I'm actually actively participating in what it means to be belong to the body of Christ. This is what we talked about when we talked about koinonia. I'm actually participating. Koinonia really can be translated participation or fellowship. It's, what it means is it's, it's when Christ followers actively participate in practices of what it means to be Christian, right? Christian community, like worship. We're here together, worshiping online and in person. Prayer and reading of the word, and this list goes on. Using my gifts in the body of Christ. Generosity, service, the list goes on and on of what it means to belong in the body of Christ. There's all these things, but these are all kind of flowing out of that I'm loved because I'm a beloved son or daughter. My purpose is in Christ. So our band's going to come and and I just want to, I feel like we need to lay that foundation for us today of what it means to be a chosen people. Because I know there's probably some of us today online or in the room who say, I know that God loves me. I know he loves me. I can sense that through his people, through the reading of the word. I, I, I hear that he loves me. I see this picture. 
I know that Jesus died for me, but I've never truly received him in my life. And I want you to have that opportunity today to like not go another day in your life without communion with God, to, to find your first purpose in this creation, which is to delight yourself in the creator. He's gonna lead you to everything on the outside that you're supposed to be doing. He's gonna lead you to that. But we gotta get the first things first. And that's our identity is in Christ. And our first purpose is not what we can do for him. It's to belong to him. He chose us as his own possession. He chose us. He adopted us into his family. So I wanna pray with you today if that's you. If, if you're a person here, you say, hey, you know, I've accepted Jesus, but I've got this mindset that's just warped. I feel like it's work. So hard. I feel obligated to serve in the house of God, and I don't want to feel like that anymore. I, I want to come in as an heir. I want to come in as a son, as a daughter, and just know I'm rested. Nobody's asking anything from me. God's not trying to get something from me. He's trying to get something to me. He's trying to get me purpose. He's trying to get me meaning. He's trying to get me identity. He's trying to get me hope and peace. He's trying to get that to me. He's not trying to take something from me. Some of us, we need to settle our sonship today. And some of us, this belonging thing, man, we've been lonely our whole life, even in the church. Or maybe we've never just quite felt at home, but we need to, we need to belong internally. And God is going to do some things in these next few moments as we just remember what he's done for us. Remember the life he's called us into. So I want to pray with you as well. If you need to settle in your heart that you belong here, you belong in the house of God, you belong in the faith of God. If he's given you a measure of faith, you follow him and you plant that seed of faith. Come on, will you stand with me all across the room as we just prepare our hearts and ask, just with every eye closed and every head bowed for the next moment, I just want you to just take a moment to just hear from the Lord. You've, you've heard me run my mouth teaching here for a few minutes, but... I just want you to hear from the Lord in this moment what he's asking of us, what he's calling us into. Can we just rest in this still moment, quiet moment, and just hear what he's speaking? If you're making that decision to follow Jesus with your whole life today, you need to tell somebody. I'm gonna, I'll help lead you in that prayer. Our prayer team will help lead you in that prayer. But it's a decision that happens in your heart. We, we encourage you to fill out our digital connect card, but more than anything, you need to tell somebody who will help you take your next steps. Let's pray right now, church. Father, we thank you that you've chosen us before the foundation of the world to be conformed to your spirit, God, to be called into the house of God, to belong to you, God. You've chosen us as your own possession, God. You've not left us to uh, our own devices, God, but you've called us into purpose. And that first purpose is you. It's to belong to you, to be found in you, God. For those today who don't know you, God, let them boldly make the decision to follow you with their whole heart, their whole life, complete surrender, of their will and their desires, that we may know you and the fullness of the life that you have for us. God, for those today that carry the wrong mindset, God, would you help us? Would you help us today, God, receive our adoption as sons and daughters, first and foremost, 
We don't feel like we have to work to work to prove ourselves to you, God. You love us, sons and daughters. You put the ring on our finger. Let us just return back that love to you, Father. God, and finally, for those who don't feel like they belong, God, for, will they come? Will they come boldly in faith and find themselves with an authentic awareness, God, that I'm where I'm supposed to be. You've called me here, Father. God, and be active participants in what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. We are grateful for this family, God. We're grateful for the purposes that you have laid before us. As we process this series, God, would you help us deeper and deeper know our purpose in this world, God? You have called us on purpose. In Jesus' holy name, amen. If you've made a decision, if you need prayer for anything, there's prayer partners. I'm going to be down here. I would love to pray with you. We'd love to pray with you and encourage you any way we can. Come on, let's worship the Lord. Let's thank him for his goodness of where he's brought us today. Thanks for listening in today. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus, we want to celebrate with you. To connect with us about what your next step with Jesus might be, or even if you need help figuring that out, you can text the keyword FATHOM to 97000 anytime and follow the prompts. You can also go ahead and type in the search bar of your podcast app, Fathom Beyond Sunday. And there you'll find our new podcast. You'll be able to listen in on some really great conversations, just taking the truth of God's word from our Sunday sermon a step further, talking about how we can apply these truths to our everyday lives between Monday and Saturday, not just on Sunday. We love you. We're praying for you. And we hope you'll tune in again soon.